podcast. I'm Ricky Davis, and I'm joined by my good buddies, Ethan Uffman and Elkin Beltry. Guys, we're back, all three of us, on the same yes, pod. Sir. Who thought? Who thought? Excited to be back. No one could have predicted this. It's not happened in a while. It's It's been a legitimate while, but guys, we've got a few things to talk about. We've got some trades that have happened. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Recent trades. Trade, old trades we've not talked about because you know we you know how it how it goes but let's go ahead and let's get to it how did you guys feel initially and maybe how do you feel now about the dante exum jordan clarkson trade it made me inherently sad richard because i felt bad for dante exum whose career just has not not gone the way it's supposed to like he's getting paid so hard to feel that bad about it all but Dante Essam looked like a good a good prospect, defensive stalwart with some playmaking abilities, and just nothing went right for him. So seeing him uh, get traded basically for a one for a one year rental of Clarkson, um, looking looks less than ideal. Uh, Let's also add in that Cleveland got two second round picks. Yeah. In in this as well, which if if you're asking me, it's pretty nice. Um. Yeah. Pr- pr- pretty nice snag for. For for the um, Cleveland for Cleveland and Dante Exum in you know averaging now for for Cleveland about 17 minutes a game, uh, you know seven points on 42% three point shooting, 50% field goal, and you know 67. So it's it's not not necessarily the perfect club, but you know not being trash. Well, and he never was trash for Utah. He just was a, a gaping hole in their already putrid offense for most of his career there. Like Utah always struggled to generate offense, and he wasn't assisting that. I mean, with, with Cleveland, I'm sure they have their own problems, but they do have offensive players without no, any defensive players. Like their, their problem, generally speaking, shouldn't be scoring. It should be being able to stop anyone. And with – you know, Clarkson, I mean, with Mike Conley going down for extended periods of time, right, you know, having someone who can come off the bench as you've shuffled your lineup around is, you know, and get some buckets has been useful. Um, I'm not the biggest Jordan Clarkson fan, but, you know, it's been nice, nice for him out in Utah as well. Now that Mike Conley's back, we'll see how that rotation really uh, works. But, you know, seems like a gamble for Utah as they're saying, hey, we, we really are going for it um, in the next couple of years. Now that we have been talking about this for a hot second, I remember, Richard, we have talked about this on the pod because I made, a, we? I made a joke about Jordan Clarkson being a field goal attempt, not necessarily <laughs> a bucket getter, but being a field goal attempter. Oh, so man. I definitely remember making that joke. So this has been rehashed trade talk by us today. Well, it, that, that's what happens when it's been a while, guys. Yes, yeah. indeed. On next to the one. next one. Alan Crabb to Minnesota for Jeff Teague and Trevion Graham going to Atlanta in this Minnesota opens up a roster spot perhaps for a, um, you know, trade to be named later and other things. Guys, how do you feel about this one? Well, looking at it, I mean, you're pretty much just bringing in a backup point guard. If you're Atlanta, that that's really like the main reason why you're doing this. Cause Trey young is obviously your starter bringing Jeff Teague back home to where he started his career at. So I'm looking at this trade, I'm looking at for for Minnesota. It seems like Minnesota's trying to think ahead because, I mean, right now that they brought in Allen Crabbe, I was going to ask you guys this, who's going to get most of their backcourt minutes for them once they bring in Allen Crabbe? Because it felt like not even even Jeff Teague was being phased out before he got traded as well. 
Well, Shabazz Napier's definitely got a big role there. Yeah. He's They're trying to get him mm-hmm. the most out of him and the skills that he possesses. I mean, I think Crab gets out there just for his floor spacing because I don't think anyone's just going to leave him alone, even if he is shooting lower percentages than he has in the past. But, no, it's, it's just thin. Jarrett Culver's going to get a lot of run, which I watched the, the Raptors – Wolves game yesterday, and he looked like he looks like he's getting a little bit of a step. You know, Richard, we kind of dogged him a little bit for his lack of production in the rookie spot. But I gotta say, like, even when his shots aren't falling, which they haven't a lot, I feel like he's putting himself in the right positions offensively. And I, I'm I think I'm more optimistic because I hadn't watched him for probably almost a month because the Wolves haven't had Carlton Towns. Yeah. So it's it's hard to like get a feel for that how that team actually is progressing when they don't have anyone that's a star player. Um, but seeing him play this last week, or yesterday, in fact, I, I felt a lot better about his progression um, than I did. I just probably made clear on the rookie pod. Yeah, I think the only thing that uh, worried me was uh, next time he needs to run away from Robin Lopez and not mess with him. Only thing. Yeah. <laughs> he needs to avoid those conflicts. <laughs> Go ahead, Richard. So, so, so like, we, we can't imagine that they're done before the deadline. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're a buyout market team, but with, with where they're at, I mean, if you look at the, the standings, they are basically tied for close to second to the last in the Western Conference, but they're only like three and a half games out of um, being able to be, you know, in, 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 in they're not out of the playoff discussion yet. But one Shabazz Napier tweak, and now who, who do you, like, how are you feeling those minutes? You don't really have anyone. So you'd imagine that there are, uh, there's a second trade. Obviously, they've had their eyes on um, D'Angelo Russell, but mm. perhaps I would say that this trade shows that they are very much open to future trades, whether it be, hey, we've got Alan Crabb because maybe we're trying to get something for Covington if we decide to go the uh, it's not not our year this year route and kind of risk it that way. Um, I don't I don't know. Maybe they're just kind of keeping their options open there. But nevertheless, they've got to be in the point guard market uh I would say going forward, if not to just have a body there, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe the will just bring in someone or convert a, a two way point guard. They've, they've got one of the roster. I don't even know anything about him. So no. I, who, who knows what they'll do, but I just think that this lead may, may lead to more. It's just funny. This trade, like literally put Minnesota in the same situation that now Atlanta has rectified as they didn't have a backup point guard. Now, you know, Shabazz and Teague are both kind of backup point guards, but now they don't—they don't have a backup to that, and it's—that's kind of a scary thought. Unless you think Jared Culver's going to take a big leap and kind of be a ball handler like he was for Texas Tech, which I don't think he'd be ready for, even in my now more rosier opinion of him. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see how that goes. I mean, good for Atlanta to get because those those non Trey Young minutes were rough out there in Atlanta. I mean, it's just been rough all all year, but um, Trey Young's been the only nice thing. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. Um, I expect more from Minnesota going forward. Let's get to the one that dropped, uh, you know, just a, a day ago, gentlemen. Anthony Tolliver going back home. The Anthony Tolliver <laughs> trade is what I'm calling oh, it. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> Anthony Tolliver and Kent Bazemore, along with uh, two second-round picks from Portland in 2024-2025, going to Sacramento for the uh, washed corpse of Trevor Ariza. And Caleb Swanigan goes home, too. And is it Wendell or Wenyan Gabriel? Wenyan. Wenyan. doesn't know, but it's Wen- <laughs> and I know. It was, it was a bit there, guys. Ah. Uh, Wenyan Gabriel going to Portland. Uh, in doing so, Portland skirts the tax, guys. Is there anything other than a tax-saving move that that's going on here for, for Portland? Tried to look at the positive thought of it. 
that te- Trevor Reza has last time he played with a all NBA caliber guard. He was a very good shooter from the corners and above the break. And maybe that they can recreate some of that magic because he hasn't played with an all NBA guard since then. Uh, unless I don't think Bradley Beal made it. So yeah, no, my statement's correct. So maybe that it works out. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Swanigan, it is <laughs> might get minutes for this Blazers team because Scal is hurt. Hassan is not particularly good, but he, I mean, he's great compared to the other options we have, but Wayne Gabriel, if, if he, uh, once this trade, um, restriction gets lifted, He'll also be a, a 6'10 guy that, if he just can move on the court, is going to be an upgrade over playing Tolliver at center, which Tolliver is just not big enough for that position. <sighs> Guys, Trevor Reese is averaging six points this year. No, he's not good. I I did not say he was good. You will not hear that. If you run it back, kids, I did not say he's good. I said he was good last time he played next to an all-NBA guard. <laughs> The real reason is they wanted to cut. They wanted to cut Buddy. Uh, that, that I mean, that, that's all. That's that's all that really can be said. I mean, the only other thing, maybe, I mean, cutting money would would be involved in this. Maybe they're trying to, uh, you know, drop their tax uh, payment down just so that they can make another trade that maybe might bring in a little bit more salary and get them back to a tax situation they were before. Maybe they were comfortable with that. I don't know, but it, it just the only thing I could think of here, other than just saying we're giving up two future seconds so that we're not paying a whole bunch of tax money this year, is just maybe they got another trade um, you know, available to them. I mean, they're the team here who's, you know, no, they, they brought in three people. I, I don't know. I have no. I don't think, Neil, I don't think I don't Neil O'Shea know. knows either. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Ugh. Anyway, Royce O'Neal, he also not, not a trade, not a, not trade, a trade, but he got a nice little uh, extension here, four years, thirty-six million. And um, Royce O'Neal was once the guy who, when I watched Utah uh, here in Portland, I did not know who he was on the court. He was shooting a bunch of corner threes. I got there early because I got hundred level seats for this game, and I was like, I don't know who this guy is. So I looked him up, and I was like, Oh, I remember him vaguely. And then like he shot a horrible percentage that game, and I was like, Well, it's kind of odd that he's starting. But this is when Utah in Donovan Mitchell's rookie year was about to hit the ascension, and then everyone started playing better. But Royce O'Neal, really cool for that guy to get get his extension. Team friendly deal in my opinion, because I think he'll be good defensively all those years, and as long as he's shooting 35% from three. We're a okay. Yeah, I, I think that's got to be a um a win for for both sides. For me, I look at this as well in the timing of it and think to myself. Obviously, you want to work out an extension with your guy if you want him long term. Um, but this kind of coincides with the return of Mike Conley, and they've got to figure out what they want to do with their rotations. I don't totally know if they know, but they do know we got to keep Joe Ingles in the starting lineup. Um, he's really been thriving there since they moved him there when Mike Conley went down and they were able to figure that out and they've been on this run. Mike Conley's back now. Do we just keep him as our bench guard? Okay, maybe if maybe we maybe we don't. Maybe we reinsert him into the starting lineup. But if you do, someone's gotta go down and that's probably gonna be Royce O'Neal. You probably I mean that's not something that he would he would like to have happen. No one wants to get benched. But if you if they offer you an extension saying we you're part of our long term plans here, here's nine, approximately $9 million a year. Maybe going to the bench, it's like you recognize this is for the good of the team, and p- perhaps it's something like that. Uh, but regardless, good on him for getting getting some, some, some good money. 
good on the uh, the team for getting him locked up at, at a reasonable uh, number going forward. The bag is secured regardless of role, and that will make him feel better about any decision they make about his minutes, I'm sure. Exactly. On to the trade let's, part. Let's do it. More trades. The, the fake trades. Let's, let's, I mean, this is, this is what we do here sometimes. Um, and, oh, man. We should mention, we already did a bunch of fake trades for Andre Drummond. And the Wizards one's the best. It's it's pretty you know it, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, I, we we cannot deny we cannot deny that fact. Um, Would love to see that happen. Sadly, me too. Um, we're gonna just introduce. We're gonna get the Detroit trades out of the way at the beginning because you know it's it's time to sell. Fire sale. Fire sale indeed. We're starting to win too many games here, so you know. If, if if the Pistons are to to get a high pick, we got we got to start moving some some able bodies out of here. All right, well let's start off that off with let's send off one of your best three point shooters on the team, Tony Snell to Memphis for Solomon Hill, and y'all will get a 2020 Phoenix second round pick back in return for your trouble. Now I like this trade for Memphis because they get a, a 40 percent plus shooter um, to pair next to John Morant, Jaron Jackson, Jr., all these guys who work from all levels of the court spacing the floor is never never a bad thing and Solomon Hill shooting 30 percent 37% which is crazy good for him um getting it just it's an improvement in that regard other than Solomon Hill does have some positional versatility but he shouldn't be playing power forward because you got Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. they get all the power forward minutes plus Jaron Jackson Jr. getting some center minutes so clear some more runway for Brandon Clark and bring in Tony Snell who if if Solomon Hill is shooting one of his best seasons from three is any indication, maybe Tony Snell will shoot 45% with, with John Morant slinging in the passes. Who knows? Oh, man. And yeah. then Memphis makes the playoffs. All right. Like I yeah. said two they, pods ago. Yeah, they're going for it. So, I mean, why not? Why not go for it? Okay, what, do you, what do you think about this trade for, um, I mean, either team? So, my my liking towards one Solomon Hill is not very high because of his history with the Pacers. But – I've been really excited about what, like, similar to you guys said, what the Grizzlies are doing. I mean, Grizzlies currently in eighth right now, and it's one of those, like, hey, if we got a chance to surround our key guys with shooters, why not go ahead and do it? I mean, they're at the point where the Grizzlies, I think, don't have much to lose. Like, the last couple of drafts have been super positive for the Grizzlies. Like, let's go ahead and bring the shooting. And Solomon Hill, to my recollection, I don't have the stats pulled up, has not been that key of a contributor to the Grizzlies and had to been a big part of the rotation as well. Yeah. I mean, with with this, mm-hmm. it allows them to get a wing. Maybe they thought that if Andre Woodall was playing any minutes for them before the trade deadline, yeah. before you know, maybe you get someone mm-hmm. who can uh, space the floor, obviously not the defender that Iguodala is, but, you know, regular season, probably probably more useful in, in Tony Snell because you don't have to worry about monitoring minutes or anything like that. For the Pistons, you know, this also helps, and I think maybe for Memphis too, if if they like it, you know, play, Tony Snell has a player option for next year, about eleven million or mm-hmm. so. And with with Detroit, if we're really if this is a fire sale, let's just try to clear up as much cap space as possible. And uh, if we bring in a twenty twenty second round pick uh, for it, you know, from Phoenix. Why not? It, it seems like a reasonable gamble. Um, he's not, not the first player that I would have imagined being – this is not one cooked up by me. He um, was not the first player I would have imagined being traded here just because that that second year. But but it makes sense for Memphis, I think. You know, you get him in, in-house, and 
Uh, he's the type of type of player you might want to have, just like you mentioned, Ethan. So I, I like this one. I'm down for it. He doesn't. Hurt, he never hurts anything about your team. Yeah. He just. He just. Like even in Milwaukee, he just got the better players came in and pushed him out of the rotation. He wasn't playing particularly bad. He just got. They got better players to push him out, and that's the dream in your pro- progression deal. Is that eventually you get players in here to knock off the guys who are great. Let's get to the two trades that I've cooked up for Detroit. And you know what? Maybe I have a third. I don't know. But the two trades, um, center. Well, sending someone from Detroit to the Los Angeles Lakers. And those two people are either Langston Galloway or Derrick Rose. It could be debated uh, kind of what the Lakers might need if they want to just have someone out, more people out there to spread the floor and try hard on defense, then Langston Galloway is the move. And you probably have to give up less for Langston Galloway. He's an expiring deal. And, you know, maybe you, I mean, I think the Avery Bradley, um, you know, ship has kind of sailed. Quinn Cook, what, what, what's the point of Quinn Cook? <laughs> so those two guys for Langston Galloway kind of give you someone who can be maybe your eighth person um, in the rotation out there to spread the floor and shoot. Um, he's not a point guard, but uh, if so, if they don't necessarily need a point guard, if they don't think that they do, then this might be the trade, and it would only cost them – a uh, second round pick in uh, what, what did I have 2022 so cheaper option for the expiring deal the more expensive option would be Derek Rose uh, oh by the way we've got to throw Kyrie Thomas in there uh, just to have the people or the Pistons could just buy him out what, whatever however we want to, want to make it work doesn't matter to me but Derek Rose Kyrie Thomas uh, to the Lakers for again Avery Bradley Quinn Cook and because Derek Rose is Playing very, very well. And if they are not satisfied with Rajon Rondo getting those non-LeBron James minutes and you want to have someone more dynamic who's out there who, you know, Darrow's not playing much defense, but neither is Rajon Rondo at this point in his career. So go ahead and get someone who's better. Cost you a first-round pick, though. Mm. And while you may be thinking, well, the Lakers have first-round pick, yes, they have a first-round pick that they can send out. They can send out um, perhaps uh, you know, a 2023 first round pick now keep in mind this is this would might this be the 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 brawny james draft i i I don't know i'd have to look at it It might be um but if it is maybe maybe they don't want to do it just for that but here here you go You're, you're you're trying to win a championship you can't be concerned about that uh if you are los angeles lakers so first round pick is what it would cost to bring derrick rose to the los angeles lakers guys which trade do you like more um, which trade do you think is more useful for the Los Angeles Lakers? And I guess maybe even more likely, even though, you know, we throw out a lot of trades, rarely do they ever come true. I think I have to look at both of them. Because <sighs> I'm trying to think what exactly the Lakers are or not. I'm thinking of, at this point, they're when LeBron is off the floor, their main ball handler is normally Rondo, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, who would you rather have the ball in their hand? I mean, because it's because if Rondo is not there, I mean, and you got one of these, one of these two guys is going to come in and be like a back, a backup ball handler, in some extent. And you're right with Derrick Rose being more dynamic. I mean, I think you do give yourself that option to have scoring when LeBron James is on the floor or Anthony Davis. That's one thing you can see as a positive with Derrick Rose. You can have more dynamic scoring. Like as you mentioned, you can have someone who's able to do that, push a tempo. And then fly around, 
and possibly get some open shots for other guys, but does LA want to part with that 2023, or is it just like, oh, we don't care? Like, that first-round pick, is that something, because maybe later on at that point, who knows where Anthony Davis is going to be, LeBron's going to be, and they might think, all right, we need to think about if that's going to be when we start our downswing. Yeah, I'm I'm more for, like, it, it would it would not go over well with Lakers fans, I can guarantee it, but I'm more for the Langston Galloway side of this because I want more catch-and-shoot threats. I don't care about self-creation shots because mm-hmm. here's the deal. like In the playoffs, LeBron's going to play close to 40 minutes, and I on, I do think as long if Kuzma's on the roster, I don't think he's a great player, but he's he's going to take the possessions. And if he if he plays well, you're probably going to win the game. If he plays poorly, you're probably going to lose the game. If it comes down to those eight minutes or so that LeBron's on the court, I don't think Derrick Rose is a consistent enough contributor even in that slot for it to matter when it comes to playoff level defense. I. I think Langston Galloway can play with LeBron a lot more effectively than Derrick Rose can. Thus, I am more concerned about LeBron minutes than anyone else on the court. So, give me the guy who en- enhances LeBron. So, I, I, I agree with you in the fact that, you know, we want, we want to enhance LeBron as much as possible. Mm-hmm. LeBron's going to be getting m- many minutes in the, in the playoffs. And so, those, you know, few non-LeBron minutes that are going to be there, they're, you know, you just try to survive those as, as best you can. Um, Derrick Rose with LeBron James, not the best. Yeah. Player. Um, I, I, I don't think so. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, LeBron's the best player, one of the best players in the world. Yeah. You can probably make it happen, but ideally Langston Galley would be a better fit, um, to work off of LeBron. So yeah. maybe that makes most sense. However, third trade, third trade just came up with right now, guys. All right. Uh, let's say that we, they don't, they don't choose Langston Galloway. I have a different Langston Galloway destination. Philadelphia 76ers. For um, so we're not going to just send him. We're going to send Markeith Morris as well, someone who's also been playing well. For Mike Scott, Zaire Smith, and one of their one of the 2020 second round picks that they've got this year, maybe even two if 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 the Pistons get greedy. However, I don't don't know how greedy we can get if we're bringing in Zaire Smith, um, who's you know young hasn't really worked out quite as well, but you know it's someone to take a gamble on. They've got a number of 2020s. So what do you guys think about that type of a deal? I, I like that trade for Philadelphia a lot. Because mm-hmm. Zyra Smith currently does not play. Even when he does play, he's not a good fit next to all of their current big star players. He's not a good shooter. Like, he makes a lot more sense, theoretically, next to a Luke Kennard, where Luke Kennard's incredible shooting kind of masks the fact that he, this guy can't shoot. Um, Langston Galloway fits really well as, as the shooter in those lineups. He's a decent enough defender that he's not just going to be a, you know, a turnstile. And yeah, I, I like the Mike Scott for Markeith Morris trade out. Although I think Mike Scott has a, is a better shooter. Markeith is a better defender in my opinion. I, I'm not saying that statistically this is buried, buried out this year. Historically, I think it would, but I'm not positive, Richard. I, I do think Mike Scott is an underrated shooter throughout his career. Markeith Moore shooting forty percent from the, from three this year. Oh, wanted to be known. Similar t- similar attempts or no? He is taking four and a half attempts a game. Mm, pretty good. So yeah, I, good. I I'm gonna look up Mike Scott here. I don't think he's at quite a forty percent, but uh, I know he has had forty percent season. He had forty percent last year, forty one percent. He's at thirty three this year. Say so he's he's not been as good a shooter this year, but the track record is longer. Yep. So because he like I'm looking at it right here. He's he's shot forty percent basically the last two years of his his career. So it's just, it's one of those things. It's, it's hard to, hard to 
dial in who's going to be hot at the right time. But Marquis Morris is a good enough, is a, is a better defender enough that I like him a little bit better. And, and you know, with this, with this type of thing, I'm asking for two seconds because they have four second round picks this upcoming season. Yeah. So why not? Take you know, why, why not do it? We'll, we'll, we'll take we'll take Atlanta's and the worst of Brooklyn and New York. So we're going to take New York's um, second round. But we're going to get a couple picks the, the high high end there. Uh, but here's the thing: if you were to do that type of a trade, obviously I know that Ethan, you've got something cooked up, and you need Zaire Smith. Maybe maybe you can find someone else to to fill fill in fill in the money for it. But that you know. With the trade that you've got coming up, that type of power forward, along with who else you've, you've got going there, might be able to fill in the gaps if you're trying to make the trade that you are now. Why don't you go ahead and get there, Ethan? Yeah, let's like you know, there's a lot going on in this trade. So <laughs> Zaire Smith is kind of is kind of important for this trade because he is the you know quote unquote young piece that makes the deal uh, more attractive. But let's let's try to run this out and hopefully I don't confuse the listeners as I am one to do. This is a three-team trade between Philadelphia, Dallas, and Chicago. So if you can imagine what those teams look like. Dallas will be receiving Al Horford and Shaquille Harrison. Al Horford from Philadelphia, Shaquille from the Bulls. Philadelphia will receive Zach Levine, Thaddeus Young, and Daniel Gafford. The Bulls will receive Zaire Smith, Jonah Bolden, Courtney Lee, expiring deal, Dwight Powell, and then this is where it's a little bit complicated. Philadelphia is sending the Bulls an OKC 2021st and a New York Knicks 2021 second. Dallas is sending them a Dallas 2025 first and a 2020 second from Golden State or Houston. And I didn't look it up because, you know what? Well, if this trade happens, we'll look it up then. But they're getting a second round pick from Houston or Golden State. Obviously quite a discrepancy on how much value there is to be had there. But my thought process is Al Horford, great fit with Kristaps, keeps him from having to guard some of the bruisers, but also you always have you have 48 minutes of competent center play. And if Kristaps is unhealthy, you know, it's still Horford is out there to play similar to what Joel Embiid does um, and Horford does for him in Philadelphia. Shaquille Harrison, he's just a throw in, as we know. Uh, but he's a good defender, so, you know, he can he can pass out there while while Luka does all the offense stuff. Philadelphia getting Zach Levine, you know, great shooter. Needs the ball out of his hands a little bit more often. That's where Ben Simmons assumes more, even more ball handling responsibilities and spacing the floor better than Horford. Uh, Thaddeus Young, he is, you know, salary filler, but also a very good role player for this team. Uh, going to be able to play next to everyone. Probably does not, do not want to play him much with Ben Simmons if Joe Embiid's going to be out there with him. So that probably does not include him in a closing lineup. And Daniel Gafford is a high energy big. I, I basically compare him to Rashard Holmes. And I think he could have a very similar uh, career trajectory as Rashard Holmes if given proper resp- uh, opportunities. And then the Bulls are kind of getting a bunch of spare parts here. Aspiring deal of Courtney Lee. Dwight Powell is a good backup. Can start in a pinch if given the right surrounding talent. So mainly the value that the Bulls get for this trade is getting in all these picks. More swings. You know, OKC is going to be a middle first round pick. New York's going to be a high um, second round pick. You got a chance to really kind of reset a little bit around Larry Market and Wendell Carter and go for it again. Yeah, one thing I think it's tough to do is kind of figure out, okay, well, how how many assets do the Bulls have to receive in order to make this trade, right? Like, you're giving up Zach Levine, who's putting up some serious numbers. Thaddeus Young, rotation guy. Dino Gafford, rookie who is 
there's minutes out there that he's playing and you know it's it's they're, they're decent minutes so the, the decent rookie minutes so it's why are we giving all this up and you know maybe they've got maybe the front office thinks well maybe if we get them future first round picks and we, we know these guys aren't the guys uh perhaps we're able to you know get a little more time in the front office and a lot of times with the bulls it seems that some of these trades have been you know it's, it's been that so i don't know perhaps that's the deal this is a phenomenal deal for dallas because of what, what they're able to uh create you know with with the courtney lee dwight powell um you know, th- those guys in a first, obviously, uh, they're able to create, if they're going for it this, this year or in the next couple of years, this seems like a, a good move to me. However, this does seem kind of like an all in, like what, if you're Dallas, other than we're trying, we want to be able to get signed free agents in the future. Like this is kind of all they, all the assets that they really have. Right. It, it seems like it would put them in a little bit of a, we're going for it right now. So that would be the only scary thing. I think on the on the floor it fits. I don't know if it fits for their long-term outlook. Um, Philly, as long as you can convince Zach Levine to play his newfound role in Philly, seems fine to me. Well, I think he could fit into the role pretty swimmingly because he's still going to be asked to do some ball handling stuff. Because yeah. like this closing lineup now turns into Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Josh Har- Richardson, and Zach Levine, like, and then swap around whoever needs to guard the best players. But he's going to still be, he's going to be the second ball handler on this team behind Ben Simmons because he's a better ball handler than Josh Richardson. Definitely a better difficult shot maker than Josh Richardson. This slides Josh Richardson into where now all of his extra stuff, like the, all the things he does with off the dribble, pick and roll kind of moves, like those are going to be bonuses now instead of desperately needed. And I really think Zach Levine can, can step into that with, in a great way. The only thing with this as well is, and perhaps it gets, gives Philadelphia some flexibility. If you think about the type of team that they've assembled, they've assembled the type of team that says we're going to play defense uh, bigger and, and, and harder than, than any other team out there. This really kind of works against that. But while you're bringing in, um, you know, more, more offensive game at the moment, uh, Tobias Harris has been the worst, um, the worst defender that you've that you've had out there in your starting lineup. Now you have a much weaker defender out there that teams that teams can target. Come playoff time, that's tough. Um, but you also need people who can get you a bucket in playoff time. And it's been seen that like that that's a concern that Philadelphia has. Maybe you're satisfied with the other pieces you have around. Maybe with your rookie Matisse Thibel, you're you're happy with the con- contributions he can make. Um, and you, you, maybe you just trust if I've got Joel Embiid anchoring the center, then maybe it's okay. It's just in, in those tough matchups that we're thinking where you're going to have to be out there guarding a Brook Lopez, where Giannis is maybe now less afraid to take outside shots. Uh, you know, do you really want Zach Levine to be out there getting those minutes when he's going to be the guy that they attack? I don't know. It, it's, it's a give and take thing that they've got that they'd have to figure out there, but it's an interesting trade nonetheless. Yeah. And in the East, I think it's 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 unique because everything is about beating Giannis and trading away Horford. De- does not help you beat Giannis because Horford and Bead and Simmons are probably three of the five best defenders of Giannis that we've seen so far. Anthony Davis would crack the list, even though it's a small sample size because they play so many fewer games. But I 
I like this shirt a lot, partially. I mean, it, a lot of it comes from I love Zach Levine. I really think he would thrive going back backwards a little bit and how much volume he needs. I think his efficiency would honestly peak up playing with around other good players. And I think that spacing for Ben Simmons is the most important thing for him. And you know, I'm, I'm, I would love Ben Simmons to shoot more. I'd love for him to figure it out a little bit. Mainly just be able to shoot your free throws so you can go seek contact more than anything else. If he could just be that, do that, he wouldn't need to shoot a jump shot. But I, I, I don't think this trade makes them all that much better as a whole. But I think that the top end of it, that's where it, it, it really could be special. Because you could have three guys out there who at different times in your career have shot 40% for a season from three. Being Levine, Harris, and Richardson. Elite driver of the basketball, elite post player, and versatile offensive guy in Joel Embiid. The, the high side potential of this, I, it's hard to put the ceiling on. Yeah, I mean, the highest high potential of, of Philly just the the past, you know, couple of years has been like, well, their, their ceiling's really high. But it doesn't just, fit yet. Can we, can, can, yeah, it doesn't fit. Can we get there? Uh, Elkin, your overall thoughts? No, I mean, I think I had I had seen this trade idea from Ethan probably a few days ago. He had messaged it on the, on the group chat. And I was thinking about it. I said, for me, like, I mean, if, if I'm Dallas, this is something that I'm kind of leaning towards. And, and with Philly, I think I'm just – I just want Philly to find chemistry. I think you guys kind of brought it up. The mix is something that they've been struggling to find because they have such an interesting set of players that I want this mix to win. And I mean, and with the Bulls, you're looking at it in a way with the Bulls, just investing for the future. At this point, the Bulls know kind of like, okay, we're still in the same spot where we're at. We're going to invest with the future. But I, I definitely agree on some of the similar things that you guys have been saying, especially for Philly. But I don't know, because Philly with the last, with the trades that they did, Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. I don't know if they're going to pull up or Elton Brand's going to do another trade like that or not. That's the only, that's the only kind of hesitation. I mean, we're not saying this is going to happen for sure, but I think we can all see like after watching Philly games that something's still missing from this group. I, I think that the bulls say no, unless ownership does a swindle where they say, yeah, make this trade. It'll save you long term. And then they quickly ax them afterward. Um, that's because it's, it's, it's just, not a bad trade for bulls. Like honestly, like it's, it's, it's definitely a, let's punt the rest of the season kind of trade. Cause the bulls are not that far from making an eight seed run. Cause the, like the nets are bad too. Everyone in the East is not that far from making an eight seed run, except for like Correct. literally the Knicks. Correct. So. And the Hawks can't forget the Hawks. I'm sorry. The Hawks, the Hawks, the Hawks. <laughs> sorry. But Ooh, oversight. Yeah. But it's, it's one of those trades that you're, you're sacrificing one thing for the other. You know, this I just I would love to see. I, I this is honestly just me just compiling all my favorite players like Ben yeah. Simmons. Love Ben Simmons. I, I like Tobias Harris for a long time back to the Milwaukee days <laughs> when he was like a, not good at all. Josh Richardson obviously like him. Joel Embiid's very fun, and then Zach Levine. I mean, I've raved over him trying to get him to Miami before we ended up getting Jimmy Butler, and I'd still be okay with it. I just haven't been able to figure something out that makes sense. Um, but yeah, let's hack. Let's make it happen. All right. Um. Now we're going to try to, like, you know how in the offseason when the Knicks just got a bunch of power forwards on the roster, let's try to get rid of some of those um, and find trades that make sense. And just all in all, the uh, the Knicks aren't going to necessarily get what they want from what they expected maybe when they initially made those moves. But, Ethan, what do you got here um, with this Utah trade? I'm just thinking Ed Davis has not worked out so far for Utah, and I'm just looking for a quick fix, something that uh, can potentially – bolster the Rudy Gobertless minutes because that's all that matters 
And Taj Gibson, I think, is a better fit right now than Ed Davis. You're giving up Nigel Williams Gosson's trade, but like he's a he's a nobody in my opinion. Maybe the Jazz think differently. But Taj Gibson got a player option for, or no, he's got a team option for next year. You go ahead and trade him. If, it, if things are working swimmingly and you guys make a big push in the postseason, maybe he's worth keeping around. Ed Davis just hasn't worked out this year. He's, maybe his his unathletic ceiling has finally uh finally come down in his age, like twenty not thirty or thirty one season, where however old he is. <laughs> So what incentive does do the Knicks have to do this trade? Because I mean, I got I can't imagine that, saving money. Um, but, but they're not. I mean, they, yeah, they, they they're not saving any money that you know going in. They're saving money this year. There's a team option for next year. Like I don't. They they, they agreed to pay this this amount. They're not in the tax. Like and we're we're the New York Knicks where we can have a full garden just because it's you know. Madison Square Garden, like I, I, I need, I would need some compensation beyond this if I'm going to move Taj Gibson on a team-friendly deal. I, there's got to be someone else out there who's willing to part with at least a second-round pick uh, for Taj Gibson. Like, and eh, Nigel Williams Goss is basically a second-round <laughs> pick. <laughs> I don't disagree I'm, with you, but I would like to see Taj Gibson in Utah, so I made it happen. That that that's fine. Um, let's just figure out whatever the compensation. Yep. Do they have any picks? I mean, I know they just gave two of them away to. Yeah, I'm I'm working on. It. So they have a, as long as this has been updated properly, they have a 2021 Golden State pick. They have their own 2022nd. They're basically their own the rest of the way through. Also, an old they have a via Cleveland 2024 pick that was part of the swap, so they could give up their right rights to the swap, which I think would still be their own. But anyway, uh, they got they got second round picks. They can send them out. Okay, right, fair enough. I got a different one um, here to the Clippers. The Clippers got I think they got to do something. Um, and you know, while Mo Harkless has been a body, uh, we need to you know beef it up a little bit uh, and get someone who maybe is able to contribute just a little bit more. Let's go, Marcus Morris to the Clippers. Another body for you to be able to. I mean, I know you've got big defenders in. Paul George and uh, you know big wing defenders and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, but let, let's go ahead and get a third guy there just just so that you can always have two of those guys out there on the defensive end. And uh, Marcus Morris, you know Morris brothers are tough. Uh, let's go ahead and do that for Mo Harkless, Jerome Robinson, and Detroit's uh, 2021 second round pick because you know it's probably going to be not great. So there you go. The Knicks have reason um, to to send. Marcus Morris uh, and his one-year deal out to uh, Los Angeles. Marcus Morris had interest in signing with the Clippers in the uh, in the off season, or yep. that was reported. Um, so this is a the Clippers probably had some interest too, but the the scratch was not ready to go. So and this is the, the option. Money, yep, the money aspect. You get fifteen million dollars, Marcus Morris. Now you get not only the money that you wanted, but you get the location as well. So let's do it. My last trade, gentlemen. This one I think is more interesting. Um, it's, I mean, the Pelicans have got, I mean, they've, they've got a lot of young guys. Brandon Ingram's having a breakout uh, season as well. You know, take, taking leaps like he, he has been, um, you know, when he's been healthy. And they've just got, a, you know, waiting for Zion Williamson to come back uh, this week. And you know, so they've got a lot of guys, but the timeline does not seem right for one Drew Holiday. 
his trade um i mean his trade value is probably maximizing between now and this offseason so let's find a home for him i think denver would be a good home for him let's go ahead and send him and jaleel okafer because we need a body and um you know a big man specifically to denver for gary harris and mason Plumley. the money works for those guys and the incentive for the Pelicans would be two first-round picks. We're going to make them unprotected. Um, Denver 2022 and 2024. Um, guys, what do we think? It's one of those all-in type of deals, right? You are you're you're giving up on a guy you built up pretty well. Gary Harris had a horrible rookie year with Denver, and they turned him into a you know they extended him with a pretty nice price, almost 20 million a year. Um, me personally, I would love to see Mason Plumley never play for the Nuggets again. <laughs> I know he's had a pretty good year this year, all things considered, being Mason Plumley and all. But he um, he just makes me upset when he plays because I feel like he plays well enough that they don't get Jokic back in there enough. Like he, I mean, I, I think he's a good regular season center. I don't like him in the playoffs. I don't like Joel Okafor in the playoffs either. But the, the upside of Drew Holiday, pairing him with a – a Murray, who offensively are pretty similar players. Both can get to the shots off the drill. Both can get to the rim. Defensively, Drew Holiday is a menace, so that's a positive. But I think Drew Holiday and Murray could find a really nice uh, yin and yang on offense. Yeah, I think just Gary Harris's health has been has caused him to not play quite as well over the past couple of years. Um, it's been it's been tough there for him. Julio Okafor, I mean, he's literally just there because if you send out Plumlee, who else you got on the, um, you know, as, as your backup center, unless you're literally going, well, let's go Millsap and, um, you know, a three, three big rotation where you've got um, Millsap and um, it's... I think that is the move, Richard, because you have Millsap who can spot the few center minutes that are available. And then you have guys like Juan Hernan Gomez. You have Michael Porter Jr. who are playing at the four. You're not ex you're 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 playing those guys at positions of strength offensively. Defensively, it's still going to be a little rough, but this team's been a lot better defensively as a whole than and expected. Jeremy, Jeremy Grant, sorry, Jer I Jeremy Grant as well. Mention him. You traded like, you traded a first for him. That's why you don't have your first this year. Yeah. So you got you got options in terms of filling that position. Jeremy Grant has been a little disappointing as of late, but I I still like him a lot, and I am not. I'm ready to say he could play spot center minutes too against everyone but the Lakers. But do you get Jaleel Okafor for those two minutes a game where maybe you just need a, a, an actual big and, and hope you hope that just doesn't mess things up and that he can, you know, maybe get a bucket or two and that, that that's it. But for for money and for, for just matching bodies. Man, like, like I'm just looking at these 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 power forwards that this team has with with Millsap shooting 41 uh, percent from three. Jeremy Grant shooting 36, almost 7 percent from three. Juan Hernan Gomez hasn't played enough for me to consider it, but. Michael Porter Jr. shooting 40% from three. That's some special shooting from the four spot. Or we could just say, you know, let's bring Bull Ball up. All right? Yeah, that too. I mean, get bringing, bringing him in, um, that being Ogafer, does not mean he plays at all. I don't think he does. I would rather bring Jared Vanderbilt up and just have his energy than have – for this Listen, specific team. Jaleel Ogafer, in case of emergency, you know, that that that's it. Even then, I disagree. I like him <laughs> oh, for teams man. that don't... Listen, I would have included somebody else. I would have included anybody else, but the Pelicans do not have that person. So it's it's just... 
I mean, if, if you if you literally want, we can find a third team to take Jaleel Okafor, throw in a big at a similar price just to make it not Jaleel Okafor. I don't care, but <laughs> there's the trade, guys. What uh, let's, let's bring Omer Oshik. I'm sure he's dead. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's done. Oh, no. Goodness. I was going for the dead cap joke there. I think he's still on the cap for the Pelicans. Oh, no. He got traded to the Bulls again, didn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah, I don't remember, but he he's, he's he's on someone's cap sheet somewhere. Is is, is, it, is it is it the magic that they did a disabled player? I don't remember. Maz, the, I magic remember. did Mozgov. I don't know. They did Mozgov. Sorry, I'm getting get get getting getting the old big L- large white, whites confused, re- retired, egg. confused. I got it's my my fault. Um, Elkin, what do you think? I know Ethan doesn't like my Jaleel Okafor. I, but. Honestly, like I'm okay. I'm gonna say this. Sorry, Ethan, but I'm okay with Jaleel Okafor. I'm gonna say it. He's fine. A, he's just not good for. I, De- I, I think you. I think he could be good for Denver. I think they Denver can find a way to make it work. Malone will find a way to make him work in that position. That's gonna put him in. I think. I think so. With that system, I think you would be surprised what Okafor is able to do. Him and Jokic have similar foot speed, so I mean, I guess if, if anyone can do it, it'd be Mike Malone. Here for it. Well, that, there, there's, there's my, there's my fancy trade. Fancy non-Pistons related trade. <laughs> yeah, I like Drew Holiday so much, even though he's a menace to like my my second favorite team out here in Portland. Yeah, t- 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 tough luck for for them. Uh, anything anything else you guys got or that stewed up in your minds over over this? Or no, are we, I, we about done for today. Uh, we're done. I just I, I if someone has a Demar Derozan location trade, I would love to hear because I like Demar Derozan not as a a guy who's going to be your best or top five players anymore. But I'm looking for a team that wants to bring him in, who absorbs, they take on his player option next year, and then they sit him into a six-man role, and he becomes like Lou Williams for the next team. I'm excited for that phase of DeMar DeRozan's career. See, yeah, yes, I, I agree. For, I agree with all those things. Pop's Pop is not selling. No, he's not selling. Deadline. He's not punting. He's not punting DeMar DeRozan. Well, like I was, like I was like, man, if I, like I was thinking of the Heat who are punting on like basically thirty million dollars of cap anyway. I was like, man, if we could just have Demar Derozan punting twenty, like quote unquote punting twenty six million of cap, I would really like that as our sixth, seventh man, you know, pairing with Goran Dragic. Like I would really like that, but it's, I, you can't give up Kelly Olynyk and Deion Waiters for Demar Derozan. It doesn't work because those those two players have zero value. Yeah, it's. It's tough. DeMar DeRozan's probably going to stay there. Oh. Yeah, probably so. Well, guys, it's been good talking to you. Um, the We are you know less than a month away from the trade deadline. And uh, once we get past that, you know, we're, we're, we're nearing the home stretch of of the season once that happens. So we're already halfway through. Mm-hmm. Halfway through. You have fun, oh. Richard. I'm, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll have fun. I'll have fun. Um, you are you the, are the podcast pessimist. Yeah, you know it's I just you know I'm ready for I, I'm I'm got Sekou Boya. I can't be too pessimistic about life in the NBA at the moment. That's right. You, you were so excited on draft day. You can't let just a little I blip was. in the season of no, a I, bunch I, of. St- I'm not even talking about. It. Yeah. Yes. You got to be excited to watch these young players play. Christian Wood and Sekou Boya, the future of the Pistons. <laughs> Maybe, maybe Christian Wood. Christian Wood, I like him. Let's not, let's not get it wrong. We're, we should, we should pay him the monies, whatever the monies are this this off season. Um, but 
Don't do it. He's he's not our he's not our center of the future. I do not believe he's not a center. He's a good. He's a really good third big in the three big rotation. Ah, okay. And that's Pistons talk. Let's go home. That's that's it. Yeah, we're done.